Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, Ask the Strategists. I'm Jake Burns, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Brian Landerman and Ashit Fashajani. Today, we discuss a topic that comes up frequently in our customer conversations. Is there an order to migration, transformation, and modernization? Brian, Ashit, good to see you again. Hi, Jake. Hey, Jake. How are you? I'm doing great. What's going on with you? Well, I've had a few interesting conversations in the last couple of weeks with customers, so we'd love to get your guys thought on this. I know we have talked a lot about migration and getting started on the cloud journey, but where we are overall, cloud has been around for a while. A lot of enterprises have actually moved certain workloads and, and are you know a few years in their journey. Uh, and the nature of conversation that have recently come up uh, is A, now what? Uh, B, uh, should we migrate and then transform and modernize, or should we transform and modernize as we migrate? Uh, and what are the patterns and anti-patterns that we are seeing there? So I thought it'll be great to talk about that today if you are up for it. Love it. Yeah, definitely. So um, can I ask a dumb question first? So what's the difference between transforming and modernizing? Uh, that's a yeah. I mean, you could you could argue that they are they are same. I would say that transformation is much larger, and modernization for me falls it within that. That's not a strict definition, but uh, you can't transform without modernizing, uh, but you can modernize somewhat without fully transforming. <laughs> well, I am confused. Uh, yeah, so, I'm more confused. Well, now. I mean, look, I think I think what you're really talking about, right, is is tackling the people process technology from like a platform perspective, right? So cloud cloud from my point of view is a, you're like starting position, right? So you can level up your starting position by moving to cloud, but then it becomes, okay, what about the architecture? You know, so how is your application built? How is it taking advantage of that, that new foundation? So it's that people process and architecture piece on top of the cloud that we're talking about transforming, um, we call it modernizing. We call it all sorts of different things. But in my mind, that's kind of what we're we're discussing. Is that fair? Is it? Yep, that is that is fair. I think it is around when you do a lift and shift, uh, or if you migrated some workloads. I think a lot of time, typically, some enterprises would treat them as they will achieve some benefits and they will automate a few things and implement some DevOps practices, but they won't scale them, right? So now they're looking at um, I have my workloads running there. How do I actually start taking advantage of cloud native, um, serverless, Lambda, and what does that mean to my operation, security, uh, governance, and all of those practices? Um, so it's really, it's really the phase of moving from, well, now we are in cloud. Uh, what do we do next? And how do we really get value out of it very, very quickly? Right. So, so it sounds like the question is, do we kind of tackle the technology first or do we tackle the kind of organizational and uh, cultural changes first. Or, yeah, or even at the same time, right? And I've, right. I've talked to a lot of customers that are against lift and shift because lift and shift being take what you have, move it to the cloud, and then then deal with it. Rich, Jake, you've got a great story about kind of that optimization phase after the migration. Um, you know, and they, they seem to be against that because they know that their architecture is flawed kind of from the beginning. And and so they've 100% re-architecture re up front. I've seen customers that focus on getting to cloud, the migration, and then they get into this place that, you know, issue you're talking about. It's like, now what? We, we were going for all of these reasons and we haven't realized them because we've, uh, from my perspective, you only did part of you know, the things that need to be done. So I think it is an interesting question, though, of what is the recommend, is there a recommended approach? And first of all, and if not, 
you know, if you can make any one of these combinations fit, you know, how do you move through those combinations successfully, consistently? Mm-hmm. I think the way the way I look at this is uh, there is a scale of benefit, right? So you get benefit incrementally in whatever you do, right? When you lift and shift and you don't modernize, you will still get some benefit and you're much better off than you were on premises. Um, but I think the the challenge I have generally is with the question itself, because it assumes that this is a linear process, right? Which is what you are exactly trying to move away from to say, now we did this 1.0, what about the 2.0 and then 3.0 and 4.0, there right? Is, Which kind yeah. of treats these in big cycle projects that we often uh, advise against. Um, I think the the way I have seen, at least in my experience work is, I actually started out believing that uh, we didn't want to do lift and shift. That was my going in position when we started our journey. Um, what I very quickly realized was um, that it I can't apply that universally across the portfolio, right? So there were certain workloads that um, made sense where we could lift and shift. They will probably provide us a little more visibility into um, what was actually happening at the infrastructure layer. It will help us actually get our governance processes uh, in order. There were certain that we uh, said, well, we, you know, we're going to refactor somewhat uh, and then move. Uh, so I think one part is not looking at it as, is your strategy one or the other? You have to look at it across your portfolio and say, I may... I may apply certain principles to certain types of application and workloads and others on the other end, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. what I used was that regardless of what we did at a, at those six or seven R level that we talk about, we used the overall initiative or a move as a way to transform the company. So we said, well, whether we have lifting and shifting, re-effectoring, re-architecting, we do have to make sure that we are working differently. We are organizing differently. We are changing our processes to take advantage of this. We are automating things that needed to happen, regardless of what path we were taking out of those six and seven hours. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with you. I think what I'm seeing consistently, though, is the culture or bureaucracy driving your preference or tendency, right? So, in an ideal world, you know, you, you look at Jake's uh, Jake's story where they they migrated and optimized and had a great success. Um, as a result, there was space to iterate. There was space for phase two, mm-hmm. right? It, it didn't end at all right. Migrate and everything should be perfect at that point. And there's a lot of enterprises that don't that aren't good at that follow through, especially if you're coming from a waterfall environment. There's like, yeah, you know, there's pro sustaining the project, you know, transitioning to maintenance mode, whatever else. But like, that's very different than, okay, we we did phase one, let's go all in on phase two and bring back the same, um, you know, le- amount of uh, talent and and capability and uh, and drive to to deliver on fa- on this next phase. So it's that it's that follow through that the, the ownership and the iteration that I think a lot of folks are f- fearful of not getting the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. And so it's driving the the upfront decision making based on what they believe to be uh you know true about that next step. Right. And I think, you know, also I guess I'll just take a position on this. I think I think you should address the modernization or the technology first because I think if you don't have those capabilities, it's really hard to change the rest. 
I do agree with that challenge that a lot of customers are having and this, this uh, kind of um, concern that they're not going to be able to get around to it. But you just have to make that part of your master plan and you just have to, you know, really just commit to it. You know, that's your transformation is more than just a move to cloud. The move to cloud, I think, is the first part because it gives you those capabilities. And I've also the, the other reason I say that is because I see customers when they are um, kind of stuck in the beginning stages, they're focusing on that people process organization part and they get kind of, you know, um, stuck there. Right. And not making any progress. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's easier to get started with the technology as well. I mean, I, I don't yet know uh, what my position is. I think I'll hopefully I'll know by the end of this podcast. But I mean, I agree with you in that what you're suggesting means that I'm going to put all of my energy into automating and changing my policies and whatever else based on what cloud provides me. If you back off of that and you say, okay, well, I'm going to achieve that same objective, but I'm not going to go to cloud first. I'm going to work on all of these other things at the same time. I think that's what we see where you get a whole bunch of, of organizations standing up Kubernetes and are building on-prem automation to try and uh, match the cloud capability. And it's causing a, an additional, uh, you know, I'd say delay or or spinning because you're introducing yet another thing that you now need to figure out, right? Like we, uh, we've talked about burning the ships. There's something about, mm -hmm. you know, you, you burn the ships behind you, you race forward because there's, there's no turning back. And I think there's something to be said about that, about if you have a, a strategy that is to close data centers and get to the cloud, you're you're focused then on on making that work, on optimizing that environment, and and doing all the things necessary. And that's different when you have a multi cloud strategy, or you're trying to match cloud with on prem. You know, I have, a, I have an actual example of, of of this as an anti pattern because um, a customer I'm working with, um, you know, has been kind of doing it that that approach. Like they're, they're very much against lift and shift. So they said we're going to do all new. Uh, development in the cloud in AWS, but we're going to kind of keep the legacy stuff on prem, and and they're running into big problems because what they find is everything's connected. So you built this nice next generation system in AWS, but it has to call back to your old systems on prem, and you don't have the agility to kind of modify those in order to get the benefits that you're looking for. So then now you're trying to do all these little one offs right. and trying to figure it out. And you're stuck in this cycle of trying to analyze and plan and figure it out when at the end of the day, if you would have just moved everything, you would have been done by now and you wouldn't have this problem. Right. Well, but I've seen that also get be a reason why cloud isn't what everybody makes it out to be, right? Because if yes. you have this added complexity where it's like, well, no, cloud, cloud isn't giving me the benefit I thought it was going to. And the, re the reality is, is what you're saying, which is you're taking, you're taking a bad approach, <laughs> right? Or, or you're, you're overcomplicating your situation and, and making it harder than it should be. Right. I think the way I, I, I don't think it is the phases though. That's, I, I don't think it's one or the other, right? I, it's not about sequentially, let me address all my processes, governance, policies, automation before I take the first step. What I'm, what I've seen work is, I'm going to establish those as part of my move. So if you treat migration itself, I think it's such a huge opportunity for you to change incrementally that culture, establish automation and new processes and new way of working. Then it doesn't become something that is separate from that move. It is part of that move. So you're working in a new way as you are moving your workloads, whether you're lift and shift, whether you're modernizing and moving it, 
but they were refactoring some. Um, and I, I think I've talked about this earlier in, in one of the episodes here, right? That we, we used to have these 20 page forms that, that, uh, uh, product or applications teams had to fill out, uh, to get something from, uh, our infrastructure team. When we moved to cloud, we, initially carried that same process. And so my what I'm saying is that as part of that move, you have to you have an opportunity to address that, right? Now that 20 page process was created for a reason, right? Because when you're making a capital purchase uh, uh, for a, for millions of dollars, you know, and it's not like I can buy something and then say, oh, you know what? I actually want to send it back or oh, that's not what I wanted, right? So it was... To our earlier point, it was more of a somewhat of a one-way door than a two-way door. That's why that process was much more onerous. Yeah. But we carried that mental model into cloud where it was a two-way door decision, right? right. Uh, but we carried that process. So what, what I see is it is a journey, right? I, I think it is very hard to go from a legacy on-premises model to say we are going to move, lift, change, and also start building in cloud native or refactor everything, right? So how do you use the migration itself as a way to optimize your organization and structure processes? Because then when you go to that phase two, it won't feel like phase two because you already created this mindset of, well, we are just continuously improving. So there isn't like, oh, let's take a pause. We now moved. This is one toll gate. Now we will start the other one. Yeah, I mean, and, and Jake, I know you you took an infrastructure first kind of approach to your migration, but I I am, you know, in these these repeated customer conversations, I am struggling to separate the two to to be like you can migrate without any sort of thought towards change of of your people and process. You know, I think it, it seems to me that every well, one of the first steps of every migration is well, what are your workloads, right? And your workloads are you know, draw a ring fence around the smallest set of dependencies that you can mm -hmm. so that they can migrate without other things. And that seems like a really great opportunity to say, okay, well, so we've just taken our, our broad uh, footprint and we've shrunk it into all of these smaller uh, mm -hmm. workloads. Now, now what about the people? So can, can you now pair the people with those workloads and start creating ownership as you you're creating this division within your your set of systems and whether you're moving to agile or or embracing devops practices at the same time you know may, maybe you don't have to but can you at least move away from lots of lots of hands and lots of things to a smaller set of folks working on a smaller set of 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 systems and you know that alone seems like a a good first step on the people process side, but going to my own journey, like we started with the people process first. We were working on culture and working on implementing agile and, and cloud was a way to enable to the, the speed that we were after and making those changes. It wasn't the other way around. And I see a lot of folks going the other way around. I think it's uh, the, the point that you made there, Brian, about incrementally, right? So a lot of time when you look at a thousand people organization, it's very hard, right? You freeze because you're like, I can't have this extent of change in such a large team on day one. But it is about putting that fence, like you said, whether it is set of application. In our case, we said, where is the biggest business value, right? That is that that I 
I can immediately get by doing this. And we put a team just to work on that in a new way. And then it's rinse and repeat, right? Because you're now taking that same process, what we learned, same skill set. And then let's say two months later, instead of 20 people working on it, now you have 40, then 60, then 80. And then before you realize the rest of your organization is actually just the balance has shifted. Uh, so I, I think my concern a lot of time is not treating either one of these as a prerequisite or a step one before you take step two. Yeah. They are part of the journey, right? So you can't say, well, I'm going to first create a culture and people and structure before I do anything. You can't say, well, I'm going to actually move workload, then figure out that. You you use the move as part of creating that. Yeah, I I I agree. Um, and I'm only hesitating because um, I've we're just coming off of uh, some good learning opportunities with uh, the DevOps Enterprise Summit, and I was kind of poking around some podcasts as a result of that. And you know, it's interesting to me to like a lot of the stuff that we preach. And preach is maybe the wrong word, but, uh, you know, and you look at our presentations, so like future of enterprise IT and whatever else, here are the patterns you're moving away from, the anti-patterns and the patterns you're moving towards. Um, they favor experimentation, starting small, expanding out, like learning. And, and I think that is, in general, what we're talking about, right? It's not an either or, right. and it's not a big bang, but... Um, but moving incrementally, but so I was listening to to Gene Kim's um, Ideal Cast uh, podcast recently, and the the author of Team of Teams was on it, and it, it's a like great book, also a great great little you know short little podcast. I think it's like an hour and forty five minutes or something, but it goes into the specifics, and it made me think that there's you know we talk a lot about like um, organizational structure changes and Conway's law and and all of these other things and. You know, what I really heard in that that podcast was sometimes it's just providing one, unifying the folks with a common mission, and then providing like giving them the space, authority, freedom to work together and act. Right. And and like when you hear him talk about it, it's it's not this massive thing. It's not like figuring out how you're going to do agile for the entire enterprise. It's like, no, we all have this mission. Like, let's go knock down this mission. And, you know, so I, I where I'm like pretty process oriented, I, I kind of heard that, which was a good reminder for me um, that there isn't one way, right? But that you can you can look at this and say, well, what? What is our specific situation? Do we have a common mission? You know, is there business benefit in unifying our approach? You know, find that business objective that leads to more than just the migration, but really says, look, we're trying to deliver this thing for our customers or for our business and, and make as much progress and as many aspects of the people process technology as you can against that objective. Like that's a really great starting point. It doesn't mean you're going to solve everything. But start with that. And, and I think too often we're either just focused on technology or, or it's like one piece of the puzzle. Yeah, no, it's definitely a combination of both. I think there's no no question there, right? And I think it's, and, and I want to be clear, you know, when I talk about start with the uh, technology first, you're, you're going to have to change your processes on day one. You're going to have to change about the way you think about um, how you do things on day one. And, you know, if, even if you're just doing a lift and shift or as close to a lift and shift as possible with your, uh, 
you know, existing applications to cloud um, using like a minimal viable refactoring type situation, you're going to be experimenting a lot in, during that process. Mm -hmm. So I think there's, you know, just by doing, just by doing a lift and shift, I think it just naturally and kind of organically you, you, you change. If you're looking for opportunities and you're not like so rigid and saying, we're going to keep doing things exactly how we're doing things. If you're open-minded and you have good people, in my experience, you will naturally kind of drift towards more of that kind of agile way of operating. Um, and then once you get to the end of that phase one, and by the way, we just call it phase one and phase two for the people who think that way, but should, I think you're absolutely right. It, they do blend yeah. into each other. And in fact, that phase two ends up being your operations moving forward. It's not even a phase at all. Um, so I think that's another reason why I like just, just get started right with what's easiest to get started with, which I believe is the low hanging fruit with the, with the technology and then be open-minded to kind of this new way of doing things, learn how cloud works, uh, adapt in such a way that you're uh, effective and able to kind of leverage those new capabilities and it'll evolve over time naturally, I believe. Yeah. I, I think what you're talking about is right. Like embracing the journey. Yes. Cause you know, it doesn't really matter where you start, right? So you started an infrastructure. We largely started on the, um, you know, software engineering side. No matter what, at some point, like you start an infrastructure, software engineering at some point needs to get on board. Operations needs to get on board, or you start software engineering like infrastructure. It, you can't avoid addressing the entire, uh, you know, set of challenges. So it's not, I, I you know. I guess so. Here we are. I'm I'm formulating my opinion. Nice. You know, I, I do think it like it probably doesn't matter. It's more the commitment to the journey that that matters most, and making sure that everyone understands why it matters. That it's not just like yet another initiative that I need to do my part in, but more we are on a collective journey to to do things differently, and I need to lean into that. I think if you commit that way, it doesn't really matter where you start or how you start. Yeah. And I think that is where a lot of that, that is where I see some disconnect, right? In some of these questions that I, I talked about that we, we get where that move was put through the lens of the traditional project, right? So no one came together. No one changed the process. They still had their own same policy way of working. Uh, and it was just an infrastructure move or a cloud. Or a, or a data center closure, right? Um, and now they're pausing, right? And they're saying, well, okay, now we did that part. Um, now we're going to do this another phase two, which is another project where we are going to, again, re-architect, right? And modernize, refactor, change. Um, but again, with while still keeping the same silos, same operations, same processes. Um, regardless of where you start, what I think is better is when you start, whether you start in product side or infrastructure side, when you start, use that starting point as a way of bringing those relevant product security, uh, infrastructure, finance team together so that they can continue to replicate that, right? So when you start in product layer, if you keep it isolated there and infrastructure continues to work the way they have always done, um, that's when you come in, that's where you realize this problem, right? Or if you start in product uh, and and then product is moving at one speed and then your infrastructure is stuck in, in a completely different lane, you get more friction, right? And then I think mm -hmm. there is almost a disappointment that comes because uh, 
there is an expectation to say, well, we're going to, it's like the J-curve, right? That, that I often talk about. The expectation is the I-curve. I-curve, yes. That things are, because we are moving to cloud, things are just going to be remarkably different from tomorrow, right? But because you have not addressed that part of working differently, there is a bit of disappointment that, that throw off despair because, uh, you have different part of your organizations not only pulling in different direction, they are working at different pace. And that is root of most of the friction within the companies, right? Where different groups, different teams, they work at different pace. Yeah. I, I mean, definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again. And it, that that is a bit nuanced, right? It gets, I think in, in this environment, it gets hard to tell if you're doing the same thing or not, right? But we're talking about trying to drive like meaningful change and it takes meaningful change to drive meaningful change. So mm -hmm. if you're, if you're too close to what has always been, you're not stretching enough, right? Like if it doesn't hurt enough, you know, no pain, no gain or whatever, uh, you're, you're not going to get that lift on the other side. This, this definitely shouldn't be easy, I, but I think it's, it's like what we're talking about. It's having that broad view of, okay, look, we're going to embark on this journey and we're going to, we're, we're just going to, we're gonna we're gonna proceed. We're gonna we're gonna see this through. And I think the way the way I've also because I've approached this conversation uh, with in few situations differently, right? That uh, often we are asked and say, "Well, we can't change those things, right?" And so tell us how we can still be successful, right? And the answer is that you can still be successful, right? But your expectation of level of success has to come down to match with things that you cannot change, <laughs> right? Uh, so if I say, hey, I'm not going to have electricity in my home, but how can I still stay warm, right? Well, you will you will use fireplace, but that's, you know, you have to sit around that fireplace and it's just one room that's going to be warm, right? Now, mm -hmm. that's the expectation. So there are ways that you can be successful, but your expectation cannot be of a success if you were to do all of that change. So if you're going to constraint and say, here are the parts that are off limit. We cannot touch that, right? Whether it is your culture, whether your people, structure, governance, financial model, whatever that is. That's great. You will still get some benefit, but don't expect to realize the same benefit that others have when they chose to make those harder changes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and what I'm saying is if you expect to stay warm a different way, you got to hook up the electricity first. You can't just start doing things a different way when you, before you have that capability. So that's why I say start with the capabilities. And, you know, it occurs to me as we're talking about this, that there is kind of one thing you have to change if you don't already have it, um, you know, probably even before you start making the technology changes. And it's having kind of, you know, what we call it Amazon in, invent and simplify and are right a lot. It's continually kind of challenging the status quo and saying, are we doing things the best way possible? Because if you're doing that, and you're not changing your capabilities, then at least you're challenging it, but you're saying, no, we don't, we, we continue in this, in this way. But if you, if you have that attitude and that culture as your capabilities change. So for, for example, as you move to cloud, your capabilities change radically, then you'll just notice that you have these new capabilities and you'll naturally change and adapt to take advantage of them. Yeah. So I'd love to offer this visual. Um, cause for some reason I go to like this, this view of, um, linear, like linear improvement, right? And there you could have multiple options for linear improvement, different slopes of the line. 
Or you could say, well, look, I'm going to tackle this one thing. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do more of a step function, right? And so I'll end up in the same place as taking, but, uh, but I'm going to take a less aggressive approach. I'm going to tackle some things and then I'm going to move to the next thing and then to the next thing. I think what we're ultimately talking about, right, is driving towards that exponential growth, right? Getting something um, greater and faster than you could achieve if you were simply targeting a set of like linear improvements or or putting a set of linear improvements on top of each other and i for me that's like that's for whatever reason what i visualize when i'm like no look if you're tackling people process technology and you're really making meaningful change in how you go about doing things and and the behaviors within your organization you're driving towards that exponential change within you know what you deliver and the value that your business sees and I think that's lost on some people. I mean, maybe that's the wrong, like, I don't, I, I'm not meaning to be like condescending when I say that, but um, I think until you see that, maybe you don't realize that. That's a gap between the expectation and reality and what you're willing to change and put in, right? So yes, what I would say is if you set parameters and say, I'm going to do only these things, but my expectation is that exponential growth well, that's not going to happen. And that's okay. Maybe, maybe you know what? You are willing to accept that. So live in that reality in that case, and that's okay, right? You can choose yes. and say that, hey, you yes. know what? I'm, I'm valuing these controls that I have or our way of working more because of whatever reason, right? There are, there are, there could be many reasons why certain change is off limit. And that's okay. The point is then accept that the benefit curve is not going to be like a lot of other peers that you see, right? So mm-hmm. if you say, well, how can I be like that? Well, it takes all of these things. Yeah, yeah I, I I took my servers and I moved them to EC2. Why am I not Netflix? <laughs> so you don't write hysterics, obviously. <laughs> That's a great point. No, it you is know? a great but point. I think, again, going back to the same thing, like, you know, get those capabilities and then at least now you have a choice. Right to your point, you can just decide how much change you want to make and how much benefit you want to have based on how much change you're willing to make. But as long as you stay on premises, you don't even have that choice. And if you start to try changing your processes, then you're just going to have to change them again once you get to cloud because you're going to have so many more options. So I'm kind of arguing against doing that double work. Yeah. Well, and, and I think what you just said, Ishid, is fantastic. And I wish there was a like model we could point you to where it's like, well, hey, based on these decisions, this is where you are in terms of the amount of change you will realize. That doesn't exist. But I think the mental model of, let me be real about the amount of, of change I'm making relative to what's possible. And, and, and as you said, like I'm willing, in order to achieve the, this risk mitigation, you know, here's, here is, is as far as I'm going to go. And, but you can't, your expectations have to match that, that decision set. Right. Correct. Mm -hmm. I, that's the, that's the issue that I see. It doesn't always line up. (laughs) Right. Correct. Correct. It it is like going to the doctor and saying, uh, uh, well, here is all the advice to live healthy and, and, you know, take your vitamins daily and exercise and say, well, and eat healthy. I'm like eating healthy is off the table exercises off the right. table, but how can I still be, you know, and that's, that's the, I think that's where reality is. Right. So I love it. Um, yep. change, because change is tough. Um, I, I think I wanted to ask, uh, Brian, you, you started in product 
and software side as well, right? In terms of your mm-hmm. change. Um, I did. And I wanted to compare, do you even remember or recall what was it like when you realized that, well, now, you know what, we are actually building quote unquote cloud native and, you know, the teams are actually modernizing and refactoring. Was there a distinct shift uh, that happened? Was it organic? Like, was there a moment that you think, oh, yeah, now I can see this is shifting gears? I mean, it wasn't even a thing that we thought about, really. I, it was more like, let's commit to the future. And if we should be cloud native, then we'll be cloud native. And if we don't need to be, then we won't be. It, there was like, for me, there wasn't a decision point or like, you can't do this. It's more about committing to the journey and and committing to doing what is necessary to achieve the business outcomes than it is about like, am I going to use Lambda or not? Or I need to abstract in case of... It's like, you know, and I've said this in the past, I think it's about insurance, you know, taking out insurance plans of like, do I want to pay the insurance premium every month in case something happens down the road? Or do I want to, do I run, want to run out of problem and make intelligent decisions along the way and then deal with what comes? And and that's the, the, the reason I ask is because that is, I was talk, I was thinking about this, right? Based on our, our conversations around this topic as well is that I can't remember when, or, or I don't even remember we even ever had a goal that said we want to modernize or be cloud native, right? It happened as part of the overall change. We want it to be faster, quicker, right. more efficient, uh, and it started to happen organically, right? But we were setting up right. the processes and, and the way of working, which allowed that experimentation to happen, where someday somebody said, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm... A, a team, one of the teams was comfortable experimenting. And when a new idea came up to build something, they said, well, we are going to start building in serverless, right? And then then people said, oh, I can actually take these seven things that we already have and, and write them better and improve them. Um, so it wasn't a, well, now we have done this part. Now let's just have a plan to move to cloud native. Yeah. So I'm going to make an attempt to summarize here and uh... Uh, feel free to disagree with me because this is kind of my my opinion kind of coming into it also. So um, hopefully I'm not just hearing what I want to hear. We agree capabilities have to be first, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> but actually there is something that comes before that and that's the cultural change. So I think you're, if your culture is not already this way, a culture of where experimentation is encouraged, where um, failure is accepted as long as it's done in a, in a way where you reduce the consequences and you learn something and where you're continually kind of uh, challenging the status quo and, and saying, are we doing the best we can given what we have? And so I would say that should be number one, even before the technology. If you don't already have that culture, try to instill that culture. Um, and then the, the capabilities through moving to cloud and then perhaps the processes during that or and or afterwards. And it's not a black or white type of thing. It's a it's not a phase two type of thing necessarily. It's something that's going to evolve as you go. Yeah. The, so, Jake, I'm not going to disagree with you. I just want to highlight one, <laughs> one thing you said. No, I want to highlight one thing you said because. But. No, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree, um, but. Having just attended the the. DevOps Enterprise Summit, like there were a lot of sessions about creating psychological safety mm-hmm. and like a surprising number from my perspective. I I was not expecting that to be such an important topic. 
So I think I think you're onto something there that that's an important foundation. And, and, and to your point, if you don't have those things in place, the rest of it doesn't necessarily matter, right? Like you'll never achieve the right. rest of it, even if you put a great plan in place. Like it is so much about how you treat people, the environment you're creating. And so um, I, I agree. I, I don't I don't see how you can do one thing without at least addressing that foundation. I, I, I would just... Uh say that in some ways, um, they again go hand in hand, right? Because to, to create the culture of safety and the culture of experimentation, you have to have capabilities that lower the blast radius and the risk of that, right? So people feel not only that you're setting the culture, but, but also as a, as, as, as somebody working on something, you know that even if I fail, I'm not creating havoc, right? I'm not costing company millions of dollars. So I do think that that capability feeds into that culture and the culture actually allows you to uh, take advantage of that capability much better. Definitely. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and remember to submit your questions on the AWS Executive Insights website or directly to us on LinkedIn. And we'll do our best to answer them in future episodes. See you next time.